Ricky Ehrlich have written this morning. This afternoon, <laughs> I'm going to share some of my thoughts uh, with you guys about prayer. Um, it seems to me that prayer is a privilege and an honor and God's invitation to us. But sometimes we can feel more like it's a chore or a task or something that you can be good or bad at. I don't think that's what the Bible says about prayer. I think that prayer is God's invitation to know him better, to share our hearts with him and to experience his grace in our day-to-day lives. Um, Mother Teresa said this. She said, prayer is as necessary as the air, as the blood in our bodies, as anything that keeps us alive to keep us alive to the grace of God. John Piper said this, prayer is the true measure of our hearts, revealing what we really desire. And it's also the remedy for our hearts when we do not desire God. Prayer shows us who we really are and is essential in healing the places where we're broken, in need, or rebellious. Last quote, J.I. Packer says, how we pray is as important a question as we can ever ask. So I want to talk about the sensation of prayer this afternoon, I'm going to talk about what prayer feels like, smells like, tastes like, looks like, and sounds like, although possibly not in that order. First of all, I think prayer feels like love. Prayer is a relationship. God has existed for all eternity, but he's never had a relationship with me or with you before. Tim Keller writes that prayer is the key to a genuinely lived relationship with God as our Father. And that's the heart of prayer. It's not what we can get from God, but that we get him. When we pray, we find out for ourselves that we have God's ear. We're not just his servants, as Jesus tells us, but his friend. We're his children, as we sang about earlier. He wants to hear from us. And that is the power and the privilege of prayer. Just look at Jesus. Jesus didn't have any inadequacies that he was trying to make up for. He didn't have any doubts about who God was. But we're told that he frequently went away from all the people with him to go and be with the Father. He did that because he just desperately desired to be close to his Father. Prayer, then, is about the joy of relationship. Religion tells you you have to pray this way for this length of time or like that person. And when we fail to do that, we're left with guilt. But I don't think that's what relationships are really like. I love relationships. I love talking to people. I share my heart with my friends. They respond. They're caring. Occasionally, I listen to them. Not always. That's what relationship is, isn't it? It's a dialogue. It's gentle. It's fun. Sometimes I talk with my friends for a long time about really in-depth stuff. Mainly not. Often I talk about very silly things. Times and I've had a, a debate for months about Marmite, for instance, And to me, that's what relationship with Jesus is too. It's about all of those things. When something is bothering me or hurting me, I want him to be the first person that I go to talk to about about it. When I'm excited, I want Jesus to be the one I go to. And then after that, the next person I want to share my heart with should appear here. Ted, my dog. There he is. Um... Sometimes, though, prayer doesn't feel like love. And I think, especially if you've been a Christian for quite a while, you can have times where you feel like prayer is hopeless or even worse, pointless. A blogger I follow called Amy Imbo wrote this in a recent post when she'd been struggling with unanswered prayer. If you've lost hope, you might resonate with what she writes. She says, I was struggling again, doubting God. Why was he just sitting idly by, watching me suffer? 
Could he even hear my prayers? Doesn't he see me slipping further into that pit of despair? Why won't he reach down and help me? Doesn't he see me trying to claw my way back up, trying to survive? Maybe he doesn't care anymore. I know he used to. He's rescued me before, but perhaps this time was one too many. I kept looking for his hand, for his saving grace, but there was nothing. And if you've ever felt um, like that, that you've struggled with unanswered prayers or just not finding God, I've got a couple of suggestions um, to help getting back to seeing who God is. John Piper gives this simple but important encouragement. He says, the most fundamental prayer of all is this. It's taken from the start of the Lord's Prayer. Father, cause your name in this world to be revered and loved and praised and honoured and start here in my heart. No matter how we're feeling, no matter whether we're close to God and things great or if we're disappointed and struggling, that has to be where we start. Prayer then isn't that opportunity to worship God and remember who he is regardless of what's going on. I think that's the next slide. Yeah. So prayer always gives us that opportunity to worship simply by saying, hallowed be your name, or our own equivalent of that. It's our opportunity to turn our hearts back to him, to remember who he is, and to set our hearts on eternity. This brings me on to number two, what prayer smells like. Now, I'm going to give you guys a choice. I've got a silly point and a serious point. What would you like first? Silly. Right. Um, Recently, I bought this for Adrian, and I can't tell you why. I was in a chemist who I've never been before. The woman who worked there said, you really need to get this for your husband for Father's Day. And for reasons that I can't articulate, I said, yeah, sure. So I got him this gold digger, aptly named... (laughs) Erda Toilette. It came in a pack with some horrible pants and a hideous watch. And when he opened it on Father's Day, he did sort of weep, sort of laughing, sort of just, I think, thinking, have you ever met me before? He actually said, do you think I'm a 14-year-old boy? Anyway, um, the verdict amongst our family is that this is an absolutely horrible gift, disliked. And I passed it around a few people. Now, Paul, Samson, Bill were very nice and said, oh, it's nice. Samson said it was rank. What did you say, Alice? Powerful. Powerful. Um, Ella said, oh, it hits you in the back of the throat, and then she sort of gagged. And um, Amy and Chelsea, you thought it was all right, didn't you? But I think maybe the scent had died down a bit by then. My point is this. Some scents aren't very nice, okay, this being one of them. If you really like it, I think you can probably have it, can't you? Yeah, you don't want it. Um, Unlike that, prayer, the Bible tells us, has a pleasing aroma It smells good to God. John Piper, again, writes about that in terms of the eternal hope we have when he pray. When he pray? When we pray. Um, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 tells us that as part of the ongoing eternal worship in heaven that's always happening, um, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down or are constantly falling down before the Lamb, that's Jesus, Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are what? The prayers of God's people. That means when we pray, even though sometimes we might feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling or going nowhere, what the Bible tells us is that they're stored in heaven. They're precious, and they're incense. They smell good to God, unlike the gold digger. 
If we are on our faces crying out to him, whether it's in despair or desperation or celebration, it pleases God. The Bible tells us our prayers aren't lost, they're stored up in heaven. God could answer our prayer now or in 10 years' time, or he could respond in a completely different way. But regardless of that, what, what this scripture tells us is the prayer itself is ma- matters to him and is stored up in eternity. Uh, just as an aside, I was talking uh, with my children this morning about this, and we were talking about how often God answers prayers in such a different way to what we're hoping for. And uh, Rebecca, who's gone out to youth, said that I could share this. Um, she's had a bit of a tricky school year this year with some friends. She moved up to secondary school as part of a group of three, and the other two have fallen out and will not speak. And we have been praying together for really since about November praying, God, please, will you solve this? Please, will you bring those friends back together? Please reconcile them. We've tried to sort it out. And then just about three or four weeks ago, um, a completely different group of girls who Rebecca didn't know at all approached her and said, would you like to be our friend? Would you come and sit with us at lunch? Will you be part of our group on the school trip? Turns out one of them's a Christian and another one of them goes along to church. And they were just a different kind of group of girls who are doing her lots of good. And we were talking about how we were praying, God, please sort out this friendship stuff. And what we had in mind was make these two friends again. But actually, meanwhile, God was orchestrating something a little bit different and actually a bit better um, that has given a kind of answer to that prayer of please help with the friendships. And I think our lives have really littered with stories like that, where you're seeking, oh, God, please help me with this. And sometimes his answer doesn't look quite how we're expecting, but it is nonetheless answered. Okay. There's a second meaning to these bowls. Um, if we look at a second passage from Revelation, it says this. Another angel who had a golden censer, that's that thing there for the incense, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it onto the earth. There came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashings of lightning, and earthquake. So there's going to come a day, this suggests, when those bowls are full of our prayers. That all the billions and billions of times that believers have prayed, Lord, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, are going to come to an end. God is going to look at that angel and say, right, Time's now. Pour it all back onto the earth. My kingdom's coming fully, 100%. The final purposes of God will be achieved. And I think we need to remember that our prayers are part of that final victory of God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have asked us to pray, your kingdom come, if he didn't want us to be a part of his kingdom coming. So it's astonishing if you think of all the billions of times that the Lord's prayer has been uttered In faith, God has put that into this bowl, filling it up, filling it up. And the time will come when all of those prayers and all of God's power will be poured out. And so whenever we pray, however discouraged you might feel, our prayers are stored up, they're precious, and they will will be answered. Okay, number three. The points get quicker now. Prayer looks like... I think prayer looks like an invitation Um, In Thessalonians, Paul invites us to, next slide please, which, thank you, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, 
is an invitation. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, And some versions say, pray continually. And I think that that is a, a lovely invitation from God. It's not a heavy, you should be praying all the time. It's, you can. What an opportunity. What an incredible pleasure. On the next slide, I've got a little visual to illustrate. It's an invitation, this verse. Pray all the time because you can. He's always listening. He's storing up your prayers in a bowl. Um, And then I've got a slightly more touchy-feely one. There we are. If you like that sort of thing. God's inviting you. When he says pray all the time, because he's there all the time wanting to hear you. Could you just um, turn to the person next to you and tell them God is inviting you on a great adventure Thank you, and you also. (laughs) So I think this idea of prayer, you're much better than the morning lot. I said that this morning, they talked for about, I don't know, felt like about half an hour, they come back to me. Um, To pray without ceasing then is to invite God into every aspect of our lives. It's to lift our hearts and minds up throughout the day. For me, I do have formal prayer times, but most of my prayer life is a constant, Father, thank you for this. Jesus, would you guide me through this? Spirit, help me do this. As I'm going about my everyday life. It means that every face we turn immediately to God. When we become discouraged, we turn to him. When we're excited, we come to him. When we're afraid or angry or fearful or anxious or confident or happy. However we're doing, we come to him. And when we pray continually like that, we're making him constantly welcome and we're making him constantly our priority. I think praying without ceasing also means we turn to God first before other people, or in my case, a dog. The moment a challenge comes, we turn to him. Jesus is our first line of defense. We're constantly cultivating a spirit and a heart that is looking to him. Praying without ceasing, I also think, means not giving up. Sometimes we pray about things for years, and if we think God's not answering, we give up. But my, um, I have a story of, of my dad's cousin who prayed every day for 35 years for her husband to come to Christ. Amazingly, he did. And that happened when I was about 10, and I saw her at a family gathering, and I asked her about that. She said to me, I, knew, I always knew God would answer I just didn't know when. And that story stuck with me. I'm very much in the moment right now sort of person. But that perseverance and her trust day in, day out for her husband's heart is, challenges me and reminds me to keep going when I've been praying for about two minutes and I'm already bored. Okay. Next, what does press uh, sound like? My most, the, most, the most important thing I want to say about this is I think that prayer sounds like you. I pray, and when I pray, I sound just the same as when I talk. There are people who pray very noisily and very passionately, and that's great. Adrian does it. It's a bit annoying. But, you know, that's great because that's their style, and that's how they're connecting with God, and that can inspire us. But that isn't how all of us pray. And um, I don't think we should ever look at how somebody else prays and think that's how it's meant to be. I don't qualify if I don't pray like that. Um, in fact, actually, I'm quite often silent when I'm praying. Um, Mother Teresa, again, she says this, prayer is not speaking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God and listening to his voice in the depth of our hearts. Um, I said this morning, I have a prayer meeting at a school that's about 25 minutes long, and maybe 15 minutes of that, because we're all quite 
quiet characters. We're, we're praying, but we're quietly together. And then people say a few short sentences, and that's heartfelt, and we've seen some great answers to prayer, but it's not all singing and dancing, Adrian style. No disrespect. Okay. Um, prayer sounds like something that we can all learn more about. So here are five, four, I can't, five, four quick practical things. I think it's really helpful, number one, if you're new to praying or you're coming back to praying or after you think, yeah, I want to change the way I pray this week, maybe create a place to pray. That's different for everyone. Adrian likes to walk around outside to pray. I tend to fall over if I do that. In fact, I once walked into a lamppost because I was praying and yeah, not concentrating. So for me, that's not outside. I pray lots in the car. Other people like to withdraw completely in the bedroom, shut the door. Some of you, if you're much more extrovert, you gather with other people to pray. But find a place where prayer is easier and your priority. That will help cultivate that habit. Secondly, start with the Bible. If you don't know where to start, start with the Lord's Prayer. Jesus told us how to pray. It's there for us. And in fact, in a minute, we're going to just listen to somebody speaking through the Lord's Prayer in a way that's quite helpful. It's a good place to start, or if you're reading a different part of Scripture, start there and pray that back to God. Thirdly, pray honestly. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you if you're struggling to find the ways to communicate with him. God is big enough, not ugly enough, big enough and amazing enough to take anything that we have to say. He knows it anyway. The stuff you think, oh, I can't tell God that that's too tricky. Yes, you can. He knows it anyway. He just loves to hear from us. And fourthly, keep it fresh. Try new ideas. I think one of the great things that small group does is help us um, talk to people, other believers and find out how do you pray, what helps you. I like to write prayers down and I can come back and revisit them. Um, I tried recently walking around a little labyrinthy thing that you pray in. It was quite interesting. Um, so just trying different things can help it, you not get stuck in a rut with connecting with God. Finally, prayer tastes like, this is only one sentence long, okay? Um, Psalm 34 verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I think part of what that means is that praying is a way in which we can connect with him and really taste for ourselves in our own hearts the goodness of God.